Thank you for joining me for today's Beastwatch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastwatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers-Brown. I thought I'd try something new this week in an effort to make Beastwatch News more appealing. Screen capture. Let me know what you think. I published a video last week on anti-Semitism and asked the question whether or not it was anti-Semitic to criticize a Jew. I've been called a, an anti-Semitic recently for having brought out this Jewish cabal and the Jewish anti-Messiah. And so I want to know, uh, I asked the question, is it, uh, it anti-Semitic? to uh, criticize a Jew. And then I also published a video on the same day about the difference between religion and kingdom. Be sure to check those out. This week, the U.S. and Iran's tensions are worse than ever. We're going to learn about that. And so is the new Trump economy. But first, everyone in Israel, even the general public, seems to be gearing up for war as they prepare for their Jewish Messiah to be revealed. From Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Candidate General Benny Gantz, and even the rabbis. Not only are they preparing, they are fueling the war with Iran, and not only fueling, they are welcoming it. Why? Well, hopefully I can provide a thoughtful and prayerful answer by the end of this broadcast analysis. And I think you're going to want to stick around for that explanation because the irony of it will surprise you. So now to the news. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is using the election stump to deliberately escalate Israel's war with Iran. This article from J-Post brings to light how Netanyahu is using the military, Israel's IDF, for election propaganda. Here's a photograph of him uh, at the Haifa base. The Israeli Attorney General, with whom Netanyahu is at odds over the current bribery charges against Netanyahu, reminded Netanyahu last week that during the election campaign he must not publish photographs of himself with soldiers, but that is exactly what Netanyahu did. Last week Netanyahu visited Israel's Haifa Navy base. Before the Haifa visit, he complained about the AG's injunction saying that um, they had issued a strange instruction about not being photographed with soldiers. He mocked them, saying, well, I'm a soldier. Um, is it therefore forbidden to take photographs of me? So, you see, this is not what the Attorney General meant, and Netanyahu knew it. He didn't mean that Netanyahu could not be photographed. That instruction came from Israeli law. It's written into their law in the election law called the Ways of Propaganda, 5719-1959, states that election propaganda sh should not use the Israel Defense Forces in a matter 
in a manner rather that might create the impression that the Israel Defense Forces are identified with a party or a list of candidates. So the problem with the Prime Minister being photographed with a group of uniformed soldiers and publishing the photograph within the framework of his election campaign is not only because the IDF must remain politically neutral, but because some of the soldiers being photographed might not support parties other or might support parties other than the Likud and so are being turned into unwilling extras in the propaganda of a party that they may not support. So this article points out that Netanyahu may be using political and psychological bribery to affect the election. So further listen, it says here that Acquaintance with the law in Israel and the rules of ethics for members of the Knesset does not seem to be one of Netanyahu's fortes. Less than a month ago, he wrote in his Facebook account, bribery is not, or bribery is money. It is envelopes. It is cash. Bribery is not two and a half reports in Walla. Well, According to Article 293 of Israel's penal law, bribery to a public servant can take the form of money, a monetary equivalent, and some other benefit. So, but even the two and a half positive reports in Walla is a benefit, you see. Photos aside, though, Netanyahu has been bragging about Israeli attacks on Iranian installations in Syria during his campaign, publicizing meetings with Arab leaders in the Middle East and Africa, and the Visegard group, which is made up of Hungary, Poland, uh, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, in order to serve his election campaign. Furthermore, Netanyahu isn't just appearing in unethical or even illegal photos and holding well-timed meetings with Iran's enemies who are now Israel's new allies. He is doing it to provoke Iran in exactly the way Daniel 11.40 says the king of the south will provoke the king of the north and he is doing it to ensure his re-election so that he can be the Israeli leader to take on Iran in direct conflict. So during this Haifa photo op, Netanyahu directly threatened Iran. Here's the headline. Visiting Haifa base, Netanyahu warns Iran of Israel's long missile ranges. He said that Israel has the capability to target Iran, Iran-backed militias throughout the Middle East. See, here he says that. That's a bully tactic, folks, and to be sure, when you're standing right in front of your military, it's a bully tactic. But when you're trying to win an election, it helps to show yourself off as the commander of the military. Netanyahu is using a PSYOP 
on his own country to coerce the Israeli electorate into believing they still need him in office for the war effort against Iran. This creates an ethical problem and unfair advantage against his election rivals. Now, there is nothing to prevent any of the other candidates from being photographed with the IDF, except that law and uh, the fact that other candidates lack the prestige of authority to actually escalate the war with Iran. Netanyahu is planting it in the minds of everyone that only he has the authority to escalate this war with Iran. This makes the electorate beholden to him. And this is why Benny Gantz has now voiced his agreement with him, with Netanyahu. Benny Gantz is in uh, agreement with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and he is Netanyahu's strongest challenger in the election. Now he's in this untenable position of having to agree with his rival about Iran. The Israelis are more likely to vote for a strong military leader at this point, given that they are at war with Iran. And Benny, of course, needs to look at least as strong as Iran on Netanyahu. And I might say that Benny Gantz is no stranger to war. But Netanyahu is not welcoming Benny Gantz as an ally. In fact, Netanyahu called Gantz a hitchhiker. He called him a hitchhiker. Here he is calling him hitchhikers who are riding the wave. Now, breaking Israel news often couples Netanyahu and the coming of the Jewish anti-Messiah at this year's Purim season, and says that some believe the elections will mark the beginning of the entirely new uh, Messianic times. You can read that here in this article that I've published on Beast Watch News before. Um, but Breaking Israel News has been careful to, as often as possible, connect Netanyahu to Kabad and the coming Jewish anti-Messiah. So if you have not seen this report, then please visit last week's edition of Beast Watch News, uh, Kabad Jewish Messiah, the Trump-Putin connection, and Jewish supremacy. Um, Breaking Israel News is the Kabads and Netanyahu's mouthpiece. They are working hard to keep Netanyahu in office. Now, whether Kabad will reveal Netanyahu is their anti-Messiah, or they just need Netanyahu in place to hand the keys of Israel over to the Jewish anti-Messiah, remains to be seen. 
There are other candidates in the running for Kabad's Jewish anti-Messiah, such as Jared Kushner and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Only time will tell, and the revealing may happen this year. But let's piece together the warmongering with the coming anti-Messiah and examine why war and the anti-Messiah necessarily go together. Why is Netanyahu resorting to these unethical tactics of posing with the IDF? Why does he need to his image to be one of war leader, or might I say war monger, instead of diplomat, as was the case in past elections? Well, let's find out why. Once labeled King Bibi, we've got this article here by Jerusalem Post. You can see in here they're talking about Netanyahu being labeled King Bibi by an American magazine due to his seemingly irreplaceable status. The operative word there is seemingly. Things may be changing for Netanyahu and his Likud party. With the Attorney General about to announce a possible bribery indictment against him, and Netanyahu went ahead and used the unethical bribery of the IDF photos, just to, you know, in your face, Attorney General, um, Netanyahu seems to be somewhat in defensive mode as his nation enters another election season. The war with Iran is mostly, is almost rather, the entirety of his election message. That is, that he is deliberately escalating war with Iran is a given. But Netanyahu's war leader image has a twofold benefit. First, it makes him look strong in the face of Iran while simultaneously taking attention away from his evil behavior. And all this just in time for the Jewish anti-Messiah to appear. So this J-Post article, this one that I have up on my screen here, continues, As Benjamin Netanyahu faces his most difficult challenges, the world should know that he is still the better Benjamin. Well, um, I don't know if that's true, but here's where they said that. He is still the better Benjamin. But it says here that Benny Gantz is not the Messiah. Well, are you hinting, J-Post, that Netanyahu is the Jewish Messiah that we will see soon? Well, we'll know soon enough if they actually pull this anti-Messiah rabbit out of their hat. I suspect they will uh, try, but things can get delayed, as you know. It all happens according to Yahweh's timing and not to man's timing. To be sure, though, the coming of the Jewish anti-Messiah is sure to spark war, because why? The Shiites will want to show their Mahdi as the world's anti-Messiah. Therefore, Iran will have to act. Iran will have to overthrow Israel. Well, this week, 
Netanyahu let out a little Freudian slip. Bloomberg reported on a tweet, which was later removed from Twitter by Netanyahu. And here's the, here's the tweet. It says here that he, the Arab countries were coming together in Israel to advance the common interest of war with Iran. So Netanyahu is already drawing Israel's newfound allies into war with Iran, but he backtracked on this tweet and took it down, changed its position, and replaced the words war with Iran into combating Iran. Bloomberg said, it's tempting to think of this as a blunder. A better way to see Netanyahu's tweet is as a so-called Kinsley gaffe. I called it a Freudian slip, but it's named after the editor Michael Kinsley when a politician accidentally tells the truth. In other words, Netanyahu was right the first time. Israel and America's Arab allies are indeed at war with Iran, and despite efforts this week to entice war-weary European allies to join the effort for Arab and Israeli delegations, the conference was a chance to further coordinate their campaign against Iran. says here, a decade ago, it would have been unimaginable for any Arab diplomat to defend Israeli strikes in Syria. To this day, these countries are not formally, do not formally recognize Israel. But Iranian aggression has given old rivals common cause. Well, the Sunni Arab nations are, in fact, cozying up to Netanyahu. According to TRTWorld.com, the Middle East's tectonic plates have shifted in last week's Warsaw Conference. Here's what the article says. The American administration summoned uh, representatives of 60 states to the Polish capital of Warsaw for a conference dubbed ministerial to promote a future of peace and security in the, in the Middle East. However, the agenda was more about raising the stakes against Iran and to introduce talk of war. You see, Netanyahu was speaking the truth. It was also a shameless attempt by the Americans to bring out in the open newly forming relations between Israel and the Sunni Arab states. They had somehow convinced these naive Arab capitals that my enemy's enemy is my friend. In other words, it is Iran that is now your enemy, not Israel. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo made his remarks say clear saying you can't achieve peace and stability in the Middle East without confronting Iran and it is indisputable that Iran's aggression brought Arab states and Israel together. The Americans did their best to create photo ops. Here we go with photo ops again. 
to normalize Netanyahu's presence among the Arabs that he detests. Netanyahu considers Arab Israelis as a fifth column and warned Jewish Israelis at the last Israeli elections that the Arabs were voting in droves. When passing its racist nation-state law, Israel gave Jews the right to self-determination, but not Palestinian Arabs. You remember that nation-state law that happened last July 19th. And remember also, in this Beast Watch News report, I pointed out that there are there is DNA. Let me see if I can find this. There's DNA um, uh, that proves that the Palestinians are the majority of the uh, what they call the Arabs in the West Bank. And I gave scripture after scripture after scripture to describe to you why these people are the remnant of the 12 tribes of Jacob from the north. They're mostly Hebrews. Even the Edomites are Hebrews. So if you haven't ever read this report or listened to it, please go back to do that. And then click on the the uh, article for the next week after this one in which I give you even more proof of uh, this claim. The most notable Sunni states at that meeting in Warsaw were Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, Morocco, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Oman, and Kuwait, all of whom will fall to the king of the north, Iran, according to scripture in Daniel chapter 11. TRT World presents the truth when it writes what the normalizing Arab states fail to understand is Netan will always see them as inferior to Jews. He will bite his and Zionism's collective tongue because of their business which like Trump he wants. If it weren't for that he would not be seen in the same room. Well, right. You just heard last week about Kabad's secret supremacy doctrine. Well, it's only secret to outsiders, but not to Jews. As you already know from previous Beastwatch News reports, Netanyahu is a Kabad Jew who has sought the, and consulted with and sought blessings from the late Rabbi Schneerson, the, the late leader of Kabad. The Palestinian people's Arab brethren had no objection to sharing a platform with their tormentor-in-chief, even knowing the Palestinian leadership had stayed away. The reality is that Arab countries have thrown the Palestinians under the bus. Yes, they don't really care about the Palestinian cause. They only cared about it insofar as it gave them an excuse to uh, rant and rave against Israel. But in a leaked video, Bahrain Foreign Minister Khaled bin Ahmed al-Khalifa told fellow delegates we grew up talking about the Palestine-Israel 
dispute as the most important issue. But then, at a later stage, we saw a bigger challenge, more toxic, in fact, the most toxic in our modern history, which came from the Islamic Republic. The article continues, perhaps Netanyahu is the luckier of the two leaders. In Warsaw, the Arab states, many of whom represent monarchies, inadvertently crowned Palestinian tormentor Netanyahu, king of the Middle East. They all came together and they did it under the auspices of the United States and Israel. And literally coming together as an ally and making Israel the leader of the Middle East, literally, metaphorically, makes Netanyahu now the king of the Middle East. It won't be long now before the Israeli flag flies over his Arab capitals while the normalizing regimens live under the delusion that Netanyahu will send Israeli jets to protect their thrones in the unlikely event Iran strikes their capitals. Well, it's not an unlikely event, sir. The U.S. president's deal of the century was conspicuous by its absence from the Warsaw Summit. That is, except for confirmation from U.S. Special Envoy Jared Kushner that President Donald Trump's peace plan won't be based on past international understandings such as the 2002 Saudi initiative, which the international community and the Palestinians have long touted as the basis of the two-state solution. This begs the question of the Arabs, whatever happened to the Arab Peace Initiative, the now 17-year-old deal based on Israel returning occupied Palestinian and other Arab land for full normalization has been quietly dropped. Instead, normalization with Israel is in full swing while Israel continues to occupy Palestinian, Lebanese, and Syrian land while facing no pressure to withdraw. It is also moving to annex the West Bank and to seek American recognition of its sovereignty over the Syrian Golan Heights. With the Israeli elections now only weeks away, Netanyahu must have sat back in his seat on the airplane home feeling like a king and thinking the photo ops with Arab ministers would help his campaign. Well, there it is again. Netanyahu does uh, this for the purpose of his re-election. I don't believe the Jews will make him their Messiah. I believe they want it to be him who hands the keys of Israel over to their anti-Messiah. That's my personal opinion so far. The Lord hasn't told me anything about this, so I'm just speculating. The doomsday cult Kabad has the same agenda as the Iranian Shiites, and you need to understand this. They both want to bring catastrophic war to the earth in the name of their respective anti-Messiahs. So I'm going to take you to an article by author Jonathan Cook. Um, he is an award-winning British journalist based in Nazareth, Israel, since 2001, and he is the author of three books, 
on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, two of which are called blood and religion, the unmasking of the Jewish state, and Israel in the clash of civilizations, Iraq, Iran, and the plan to remake the Middle East. Um, this article is titled, How the Rule of the Rabbis is Fueling a Holy uh, war in Israel. Um, it reveals some disturbing changes happening in Israel since the Jewish state law was enacted last July. I'm bringing it to you not because of his opinion, but because he is rightfully pointing out some changes um, that are that have happened. And I'll say a little bit more about that later on. But before I proceed at the moment, let me just tell you that. I don't like Jonathan's one-sided view of the Palestinians and the Jews. He turns Palestinians into Jewish victims. The truth is much different than that, since both people have mistreated each other since 1948. In fact, their mistreatment of each other goes back 2,900 years, as I have told you so often before. So, but let's go to this article and we'll start right here and we'll ask these same questions that Jonathan asks. In which country did a senior state-salaried cleric urge his followers last month to become warriors, emulating a group of young men who had murdered a woman of another faith? The cleric did so with impunity. In fact, he was only echoing other highly placed colleagues who have endorsed a book, again without impunity, urging their disciples to murder babies along with other religions. Now, I addressed this last week uh, in Beast Watch News, and it is true that this man has gotten away, this rabbi has gotten away with this uh, uh, provocation, I'm going to call it, of the Palestinians. You'll hear a little bit more about that. Where can the head of the clergy call black people monkeys? Oh, yes. And see, if you go in this article and click on it, you'll be able to go to all these articles. These are not conspiracy articles, friends. These are news articles. And they're not fake news articles either. So where can the head of the clergy call black people monkeys and urge the expulsion of other religious communities? Where does a cleric elite wield so much power that they alone decide who can marry or get divorced and are backed by a law that can jail someone who tries to wed without their approval? They can even shut down the national railway system without notice. Where are these holy men so feared that women are scrubbed from billboards, college campuses introduce gender segregation to appease them, and women find themselves literally pushed to the back of the bus? Is this country Saudi Arabia or Myanmar or perhaps Iran? No, it is Israel the world's only self-declared Jewish state. So I'm going to comment here 
the Jewish state law enacted by the Knesset last July 19th not only turned Israel into a Jew-only nation, but has already led to it moving toward a police state after just a few months. This is an overview of this article's contents, so please take time to read it. I don't agree with everything Jonathan Cook says. Like I said, he sides more with the Palestinians than the Israelis, which is not correct. Both sides have acted improperly. However, you need to be aware of just how far right to the religious right Israel is headed. And to that end, I think Jonathan does a good job pointing out how Israeli culture is changing now because it plays into the reason Benjamin Netanyahu is warmongering in this election and also into the ideology of the coming Jewish Messiah, which this Jewish Messiah is likely to take. To start, the Orthodox rabbis were given exclusive control over conversions, births, deaths, and marriages from the time of David Ben-Gurion forward. The new Jewish state law simply rubber-stamped the authority of the Kabad Orthodox. But the item of biggest concern is how young Israelis are now being encouraged to kill non-Jews. Let me read this excerpt um, from here. I don't know if I can find it on the uh, on the site at this point, but I I've got it here in the um, in my transcript. The growing power and extremism of the Orthodox in Israel was highlighted highlighted in the last week of January, when one of their most influential rabbis, Shmuel Eliyahu, publicly came to the defense of five students accused of murdering Aisha Rabi, a Palestinian mother of eight. Now, if that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what wouldn't. I don't know what would, I guess. Back in October, they had stoned her car near Nablus in the occupied West Bank, forcing her off the road. But Eliyahu not only praised the five as warriors, but told their fellow students that they needed to overthrow the rotten secular court system, which is mostly uh, comprised of secular Jews, not religious Jews, and told them it was vital to conquer the government too, but without guns or tanks. So now, I want to bring this point out. Prime Minister Netanyahu is in the throes of overthrowing Israel's secular Israeli government. Now, why do I say this? Well, because in 2014, I hope this is the article, where uh, he said, no, is that not it? Uh, okay. Ah, here it is. Netanyahu promises the Talmud will be Israeli law. Now, last week, I think I brought this up, but last week, you saw that he is in Kabad's inner circle. And the Talmud, is, he promised, 
is going to be the foundation of the Jewish New World Order's government system in which indiscriminate murder of non-Jews is justified. That's what these young men, these five young men were practicing this new, um, this new ideology that says that non-Jews are worth nothing and there be no punishment for them killing someone. Well, the, the, they've already enacted the Talmud. If they're letting this go on, they've already enacted the Talmud. So this part of the Jewish New World Order's government system in which non or indiscriminate murder of non-Jews is justified, this is where Benjamin Netanyahu is taking Israel. And this is like what I said last week. This is where the Jewish Messiah is taking the world as well. But it's not just him. It's others in his cabinet. When Jewish Home uh, won so many seats in the Knesset, I was thrilled. I thought they were going to open up Israel to all people who wanted to make Aliyah as long as they would, um, uh, those people would swear fealty to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to the state of Israel. Well, that was the wrong opinion to have. I had hoped that, but it didn't happen. So Naftali Bennett and Justice Minister Ayelet Shaked um, got into office and they got cabinet positions. They have been silent on Rabbi Eliyahu's praise of the five murderous young men. Bennett during this time, during his time in office, has been placing much greater weight in the curriculum on Jewish tribal identity, Bible studies, and religious um, claims to greater Israel. I'm going to take you to, I think that this, no, I don't know where that article is. Let me see if I can find it. I'll be right back. So here's the article. The title of it from Haaretz is, With Israeli Education, Minister Bennett, A New School Year of Indoctrination Opens. He has been indoctrinating young people with Jewish tribal identity, Bible studies, and religious claims to greater Israel, including to the Palestinian territories, which he now wants to annex. And I probably should have pulled up the Beast Watch News articles that I did last year saying that since they've violated the, Jew, the Hebrew Jubilee, not Jewish Jubilee, but they've Yahweh's Jubilee, those Palestinian territories cannot remain in their hands anymore. And if they do remain in, in the Jewish hands, then Yahweh's going to do something about that. So tribal identity in Judaism is not a stated doctrine, but a cultural value. I want to point that out. It's a culture, cultural value that says Israel is for the house of Judah only. Teaching this to children as education should be a concern. 
because they are learning in Israel's public schools what I shared with you last week, which is that Jews are the recipients of God's own DNA and that all other humans are not human at all. In other words, all non-Jews are a different species with no right to life. Now, I am still a proponent of annexation of all Palestinian tori- territories, but only if the Jews, only if the House of Judah were going to use that to make all the people in those territories equal citizens, as is called for in the Torah, which they don't obey, and they have overwritten the Torah with their Talmud. But, you know, this is not what the Jewish leaders have in mind. You know, that what they have in mind is that there should be no mercy to Palestinians or others. So, going back to Jonathan Cook's article, um, where he talks uh, here about uh, Bra Kayu and other ultra-Orthodox uh, Jews who are among the um, senior rabbis who have endorsed a terrifying book called The King's Torah. And here is the article about The King's Torah. And you can read all about that. It, uh, Nathan... Stoltman brought it to my attention in his information that I presented to you last week. This book called The King's Torah. It should be terrifying. If you're a believer in Yeshua, you need to be scared of this. But let me just rephrase that because it should get your attention, but don't let anything scare you. I, I'm just... I'm just being exaggerative here, but it should really make you understand what's going on here, Um, because this book urges Jews to treat non-Jews, and specifically Palestinians, mercilessly. It offers God's blessing for Jewish terror. You know, we we put down the, the Muslims for, you know, that Allah praises uh, terror from them. Well, this book says that the Jews get God's blessings for Jewish terror, not only against Palestinians who try to resist their displacement by settlers, but against all Palestinians, even babies, on the principle that it is clear they will grow up to harm us. Now, for the first time, young Haradim who hate Palestinians the most, are serving in the Israeli army. Because remember, they uh, enacted that bill a couple of years ago that the Haredim needed to um, serve in the Israeli army. This new breed of young warrior will not show any concern for those they kill in battle. There will be no compunction of compassion at all. YouTube is now full of videos of gun or baton wielding uh, settlers attacking Palestinians, typically as they're trying to access their olive groves or springs, while Israeli soldiers stand by and watch or even assist. Um, Arson attacks have spread from olive groves to Palestinian homes, sometimes with horrifying results as families are burned alive. 
Rabbis such as Eliyahu have stoked this new wave of attacks with their biblical justifications. State terrorism and mob violence have merged. Also, the dramatic rise in religiosity is creating internal problems for Israeli society too, especially for the shrinking secular population and for women whose faces are being cleaned uh, from public posters and billboards because women's faces shown in public may cause offense. Um, I think that might have needed to be my comment. Last month, the Supreme Court criticized Israel's Council for Higher Education for allowing segregation between men and women in college classrooms to spread to the rest of the campus, including libraries and communal areas. Female students and lecturers are facing modesty dress codes. The council has even announced that it intends to expand segregation because it is proving difficult to persuade religious Jews to attend higher education. The biggest potential flashpoint is in occupied East Jerusalem, where the growing symbolic and political power of these messianic rabbis risks exploding at the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound, the growing influence of religious Jews in parliament, the government, the courts, and the security services means that officials grow ever bolder in staking a physical claim to sovereignty over Al-Aqsa. Now, I, they should. That territory belongs to Judah. I'm going to make that note right here. Uh, there it is. I just made the note. It also entails an ever greater indulgence toward religious extremists who demand more than physical control over the mosque site. They want Al-Aqsa destroyed and replaced with a third temple. In fact, this article, this week, this article here, uh, said that Palestinian Authority accused children of playing with fire. Um, I'm sorry, accused Israel of playing with fire. <laughs> that might have been that might have been a Freudian slip as well. After it closed an entrance to the Temple Mount, this article says that um, I think this is it right here. Here, let me see. Is that it? Um, World Israel News. No, I think that's it here. Okay, yes, Palestinian, yes, this is it. This article says that slowly Israel is transforming a settler colony, colonial project against the Palestinians into a battle with the wider Islamic world. It is turning a territorial conflict into a holy war. I want to comment on holy war because holy war is a war that involves God on many levels. When a holy war strikes, the people involved always believe God is on their side. They are right when the coming war will be a holy war, but it will be one in which Yahweh begins to clean up his house before cleaning up the world. And it will be, this holy war will be the Gog-Magog war. That's what holy war means. God cleaning up his house. 
Let me answer the reason why. Now, I told you in the beginning that I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me about why all of this election campaign and prime minister warmongering and all of that goes together. Well, I'm going to tell you um, why the rabbis and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are pushing for all-out war with Iran. It has to do with what they believe about their coming non-divine Messiah. To us, he will be the anti-Messiah. But they believe that this Messiah will establish the Jewish state as the earth's ruling nation. That's according to their Jewish eschatology. But in establishing the Jewish state to rule over all the earth, he will die in battle. He will die in battle trying to establish the global rulership of the Jewish state. Now, I believe he will die in the battle uh, that happens between in Israel between Gog and the king of the north when the king of the north invades. Here's the thing though. He must die. He must die. So the Jewish world to come can begin. That's what we call the kingdom or the millennium. Thus, here's the interesting thing. They need their Jewish Messiah to die. Isn't it interesting that the Jews still need a Messiah that will die? Well, unfortunately for them, he will not resurrect to save them. But it will take God in the flesh, Yeshua, to make that happen. Judaism <laughs> requires a Messiah to start a war. But Yahweh requires the true Messiah, Yeshua, to end it. I think, actually, that's about as much as I can say about this. I have here in the script uh, news about the tension between the uh, U.S., Israel, and Iran. And I also have here... Uh, Interesting news about the U.S. economy and the economic war that the U.S. is perpetrating against Iran. Um, the U.S. debt has hit a new record of $22 trillion. You know that the bigger the debt gets, the harder it's going to crash, right? Um, I guess you can imagine, as I imagine. Um, I want to point out one final thing. The Trump administration is now trying to decriminalize homosexuality in dozens of countries around the world. Yes, the U.S. is trying to deport the abomination to countries around the world who still believe that a homosexuality is a sin and an abomination. It has to do with this man, um, U.S. Ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who is openly gay in Trump's administration. He's working toward this. So go into this article and finish reading this. But I'm going to make this comment.
This will turn out to be one of Donald Trump's fruits by which people can know him. To allow blatant lobbying for legalizing the abomination of homosexuality from his administration truly shows he does not know God. He does not know Yahweh. And he is not a righteous man. Now, I want to say a final word about Israel. Earlier, I said that this ought to scare you. What I, I don't want anybody to be scared. I want everybody to just wake up, see what's coming, and plan for your escape to get out of Babylon. So I'm going to bring you this final word about Israel. The downward spiral into evil into the coming of the Antichrist, has increased rapidly just since the enactment of the Jewish state law last July. Believers have known for two millennia that this time must come. Yeshua told us that his people would be turned over to the synagogues and the Jewish rulers. Let's look at that. Matthew 10:17. But... Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And Matthew twenty three twenty four, Wherefore, behold, I send to you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify, and some you will scourge in the synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechiah, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. I say to you, All these shall come upon this generation. Which generation? Theirs in the first century or ours in the 21st? The answer is both. And how do I know this? Well, let's go to Mark chapter 13 where he tells us a little bit more about this. Verses 9 and 10. Take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake. These are people who will rule in end-time Israel for a testimony against them. That's why you're going to be beaten. God is going to use you as a testimony against them so that he can clean up his house. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. All nations, I should say. After the gospel has had 2,000 years to be delivered to everyone on earth, this will happen. 2,000 years in the future from the time Yeshua spoke. This is the generation he spoke of. Verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, Take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that's what you shall speak for you, for it is not you that speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Now, brother shall betray brother to death, and the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. This is specific to the time of the Great Tribulation. And it shall be hated. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. 
Hallelujah. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Where does your salvation come from? Your endurance in believing and proclaiming Yeshua's name. Most of us, including me, believed this prophecy was only for his time. I mean, we kind of thought that some of it was for our time, and we've used it all along to say, well, you know, this guy is delivering up his brother for punishment, you know, since I was a child. But we also believed that beheading was finished on the earth, that, you know, civilized people, you know, the earth had outgrown that brutality. Now we see that beheading has returned with ISIS. My friends, so has Jewish rulership, where we, at the end of days, will be turned over to the synagogues and will be subject to Jewish punishment for our belief. Where are those synagogues? Are they just in Israel? No. There are more synagogues on the earth than there probably are churches, I would imagine. But I don't know that to be true. doesn't matter whether it's true or not. There are synagogues in every country. And if the Jews believe you have no right to live, you'll be hauled into a synagogue, beaten and killed. Doubt it not. But pray. Pray for the Jews. Pray for those who are your enemies. Pray that there will be those among them who can still come to see the light of Yeshua. Pray for those who flee Judea to make it safely, in safety, to await the arrival of our divine God-in-the-flesh Messiah, Yeshua. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.